Everybody with your Bibles. Everybody with your Bibles. Everybody with your Bibles. Matthew. Matthew. Mark. Luke. John. Acts. That's where we're going to stop. The book of Acts. I don't know. God's going to have to help me with this crowd today in this message. The book of Acts. Hallelujah. The book of Acts. Father, today I come before you in need of that precious ointment and that divine unction. That energy that flows over the sapphire sill of heaven's gate and splashes upon the heart of a man, births within him a word to change the lives of humans. Oh God, move by your Holy Spirit today. For without you, we are as branches. Without sap, we are withered. Move upon us in freshness and in brightness and in glory. Let the lightnings and the thunderings of your voice be resounded within our spirits. Change us into that which you have predestined we should be. And for it, we will give you the glory. Amen and amen. I I want to... Speak to you from the book of Acts, chapter 1. And we will momentarily begin with verse 1 of chapter 1. But allow me, please, just to by statement lay a foundation for that which I believe God would deliver to our hearts and spirits today. And that is in a time where the wonderfully anointed, uh, I should say inspired work of Mel Gibson is still fresh in the mind's eye of multiplied millions across this nation of the passion of Christ. I want to bring you a statement. It's lifted, if you will, just momentarily, and then we'll come back to it from verse 3 of chapter 1. To whom also Jesus showed himself alive after his passion. Could you just say those words with me? After his passion. I need you to realize today that what you perceived in that motion picture so vividly describing and depicting for you the moments from the betrayal of Christ through his mock trial on through the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem and then hanging between heaven and earth on Calvary's rugged beam, suffering and sighing, crying and dying. And then his cross lifted out of the hole and falls with a thud over to one side with the body of the Prince of God. Lightnings and thunderings and rain and darkness at noon. Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils as she tries to brush his blood soaked matted hair they wrap him in grave clothes and they lay him in the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and they seal that tomb shut I must talk to you today about what happened after his passion I touch your neighbor and say there's more touch your neighbor and say we can't stop here there's more and touch your neighbor and say don't stop now and there's more after his passion why the very book that begins after the gospel written by Luke Luke decided to write another 
treatise, Luke decided, I've got some more that I need to say. After his passion, he begins to write the book of Acts. And I like the title on that book because it denotes for us something very profound and terribly powerful. And it is this. This is a book of action. Uh, This is a book uh, filled and frothing with activity. And this is not a sedentary book. This, this is not a book of dead ritual. This is not a lesson. This is not a storybook. This, this, in fact, Luke's assignment with the book of Acts was to make sure that the God in Christ in the gospel became the Christ in you. And so we begin with Acts chapter 1 verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began. If Jesus began it, would it stand to reason somebody has to finish it? Touch somebody and tell them, finish it up. Uh, We've got a job to do. His death was simply a means to an end, and I mean no disrespect, but you must understand that what happened on Calvary's cross was not a period, but rather a comma. There's more to come, and if America is rocking and reeling from what they saw depicted on that cross, I've got news for you, America. You have seen nothing like you're going to see when the God in Christ, which was on that tree, becomes the Christ in us through the power of his resurrection and the presence of the divine indwelling of the third person of the trinity the holy spirit of god somebody shout amen jesus began it but we are here to finish it he described it this way the works that i do he wiped the blindness out of bartimaeus eyes the works that i do He stopped the woman's issue of blood, the works that I do. He went walking to the disciples on the water in the third watch of the night. The works that I do, shall you do, and greater works. Don't stop there, because I go to my Father. Oh my God. Because I go to my Father. Did he die? Was he resurrected? Did he ascend to heaven? Then he said, I will not leave you comfortless. If I go away, I will send you another comforter. One exactly alike in every essential detail, in every essential quality, the very effervescence of the life of the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now it is our turn to take the stage of the world and declare, if you've seen us, you've seen Jesus. And they which have turned the world upside down have come here also. It was Luke's responsibility that we do not become, watch me now, say after the passion, that we do not become after the passion simply spectators of Jesus, sitting with gaped mouths and dropped jaws and open eyes at the wonder of what he did. For if that's all we do and remain in that stagnant position, then his death will be in vain. His suffering will be of no benefit. He came to give his life a ransom for many. He came to be the seed sown into the ground that would resurrect and bear much fruit. He came so that there would not just be one Jesus, but after the great tag team handoff between Jesus and the Holy Ghost, that same power that resurrected Christ from the tomb is now personally present in every born again, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, Pentecostal believer. And it's time we begin to take our rightful position of authority, ability, anointing, and acceptance and do the works of Jesus. Slap somebody a high five and tell them, let's get busy. 
now. We must not become those who are simply fans of the message. Oh, God, help me. Uh, Verse 2, all that Jesus began to do and to teach, the message and the miracle, until the day in which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, Notice how he did it. Through the Holy Ghost. How did he do it? Through the Holy Ghost. Had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Uh, There are times when I sit in church and I feel uh, that I'm in a state of siege. Uh, It would appear to me that the enemy is pounding on the door and we are doing our best to hold the fort to hold on just a little bit longer and maybe soon and very soon Jesus would come and get us out this mess it seems to me that God must be appalled sitting upon his throne sending the Holy Ghost in the earth as we cower in timid fear a timid faith will be intimidated and we sit in a state of siege we are surrounded by the trappings of religion we have categorized ourselves and organized ourselves into neat little rows and we make sure that we sit up tall and sit up straight and that at one hour and a half every Sunday morning that we have groomed ourselves properly and that we find our place to sit and uh, that we have our notebook open and we well we have to get a new notebook we've had several and they're all full and we pile them up in a closet somewhere and then like little automatums we come back in to get more notes we we've got to be taught we are constantly learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth you say how do you know that we don't come to the knowledge of the truth it's very simple because your bible said the truth that you know shall make you free our God and I I'm concerned that we are sitting somewhere hidden out that we have surrounded ourselves with the trappings and labyrinth of uh, tradition and religion we have sectioned ourselves off in nice neat little rows and we come into the building and it is there that we talk about God and it is there that we speak in other tongues and it is there that we prophesy and it is there that we lay hands on the sick which are among us and it is here that we feel protected it is here that we feel like we've got the enemy held at bay and rather than becoming the infantry forces that God intended for us to be we are standing in a state of siege we are locked down and the hatches are buttoned down and we are surrounded by organization and we are surrounded by religion and we are surrounded by committees and we've got committees on committees and we're surrounded and trapped in and we've got budgets to meet and I can't get nobody to help me today shout after his passion shout after his passion Uh, We have a a negative sense and we position ourselves in a defensive posture. Uh, There's a sense of weakening, uh, of being pummeled. Uh, There's a sense of... uh, dragging ourselves back in the door for a little more spiritual pablum to give us just enough strength to hide out until next Sunday. We we have a fear 
uh, of being overrun. We, we, we have a fear that uh, there are so many more of them than there are of us. We, we, we have a fear of being ridiculed and, oh God, we have a fear of standing out in the crowd. We, we have a fear that somebody would really notice us. We're like Peter warming ourselves by the fire of the world lest anyone really begin to understand that we're a part of something that they're not a part of, that we, we belong to a fellowship that is alien to everything that they stand for, that, that there's something different about us and and so we try to dress like the world and we try to walk like the world and we try to sing like the world and and we try to entertain folks like the world and the churches become so worldly and the world so churchy that it's very difficult to make the distinction but I, I just want to know am I in a building today with somebody that's tired of holding the fort Uh, uh, there's, there's a wind coming there's a swirling in the atmosphere and it's giving birth to a, a cry of advancement there's a confidence that, that bolsters the soul the, the gates of hell shall not prevail against this church I become the aggressor I had half a church to preach to today. I, I become the aggressor. I, I am no longer in a defensive posture to hold the fort and hold on just a little bit longer. I, I become offensive in my posture. I, I don't use the shield of faith for something to hide behind, but rather something to drive the enemy back with. I, got to say it there is still yes a cross that bleeds there is still yes a king that redeems there is still yes a prayer that is heard and answered there is still I submit to you a born again fire baptized Holy Ghost filled church of Jesus Christ against which the gates of hell shall not prevail It is hell that is to be in the defensive posture. It is hell that must bat its blurry eyes in the smoky mist of the devil's corridors and hiss. What will they do to us today? Where? Will they attack? Who among them shall sound the battle cry? Where shall the light begin to penetrate our darkness? Who among them shall fortify their fortresses? Who among them shall take the sword of the Spirit, that word of God, and see them shriek in horror because they know greater is he that is in me? How did he do it? He did it through the power of the Holy Spirit to those whom he had chosen. May I submit to you that God's hand on you in commandment is neither optional nor flexible. 
you didn't find him, he found you. And just as surely as I'm in this building today, he has set his mark on you and you are ruined. Can I just tell you, if you want status quo, you're ruined. He's already messed you up. He's got a mark on you. If you want to just barely get by, you've already made the mistake. He's already taken the flaming finger of the Holy Ghost and he has branded it upon you and you will never, ever, ever be the same. There's something stirring on the inside of you and though you try to quench it, it won't be put out. You try to silence it, but you can't get it to shut up. There's something driving you. There's a compulsion. There's a propulsion of the Spirit of God within you that will not allow you to become a part of the status quo, religious organizations, and movements of your day. No, sir, you've been touched by fire. Here's what happened after verse 3. After his passion, after his passion, he began to say in verse 5, John truly baptized with water. We know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that is sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish but have everlasting life for the son of God came not into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved John 3 16 and 17 but did you ever look at Luke chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 if you haven't let me remind you of them because here we have the first prophetic glimpse into the ministry of Jesus. Just say, this is why he came. He did not come just to die. He did not come just to suffer. He did not come just to bleed. He did not come just to be whipped with a cat of nine tails. He did not come just to hang on that cross. He did not come to be buried. He did not come to be wrapped in grave clothes. No, no, no. That's not why he came. Luke 3 and 16 says, John the Baptist began to prophesy. Here's what John said. Go ahead, John. Talk about Jesus. Thank you very much. John said... I indeed baptize you with water, but there cometh one mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to step down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire whose fan is in his hand. He shall thoroughly purge his floor and the chaff shall he gather together into his garner and burn it with fire unquenchable. Can you stand the fire? Here's what I've got to ask you. Can you stand the fire? Because God is sending a Holy Ghost wind full of Holy Ghost power on fire. He's sending a breath blast out of heaven full of the fury and the flurry of the fire of God. It is not something like God. It is God. Your Bible said our God is a consuming fire. Your Bible said our God is a fire from his loins up and a fire from his loins down. Come on, Holy Ghost. Send the fire. Send the presence of God. Burn us into permanence. Burn us into a posture that is offensive in nature.
I feel a pushing. I feel a pushing. I feel a pushing. I feel an expansion. I feel something moving. There's something coming live in the church of Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, John baptized you with water. Don't you just love the Bible? Luke recorded that in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And then Jesus repeats it in Acts chapter 1. John baptized you with water. But I'm going to baptize you. He left no doubt who the baptizer was. John didn't call his name. John just said there's one coming after me. But in the book of Acts, he shows up and says, I'm the one you're looking for. I shall baptize you with... I shall baptize you. I'm not talking about a little dipple, do you? I'm talking about a full immersion. I shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Fire, energy. Fire, light. shall baptize you shout yes Lord yes I shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire how do you sit there they asked the prophet why do you act like you act he said I can't help it it feels like fire shut up in my bones I got to preach. I got to preach. Got to make an announcement. chapter 1 and verse 8 it's in your Bible and you shall receive power I wish I could preach there uh, we need power with homosexuals and lesbians trying to destroy the very fabric and cornerstone of this nation we need power with AIDS running rampant we need power with pornography running through our streets like open sewers we need power with your neighbor lost and destined to spend eternity hearing the howls and cackles from the bowels of a devil's hell we need power with 8,000 of our children a day acquiring sexually transmitted diseases I met a young girl the other day 18 years of age she said Pastor Rod I'm doing well I said how are you doing she said I haven't had intercourse since I've been saved these three months I said well I, I don't know that that should be so hard you're just 18 years old she said pastor I have recorded having sex with over 100 young men and I'm 18 years of age you're not in this building with me we need some power when our children don't know which way to go we need some power with Sudanese being put in chains because they named the name of Jesus we need some power with politicians that don't know which way to go we need some power I want some power with healing lines in the church we need some power with no ability to be a light for Christ we need some power with this ungodly timid spirit that's all over believers we got to have some
when we tell God, I'll go to Africa for you. And he says, no, you don't. We won't, you won't go to your neighbor's house. We need some power. When we're ashamed to give grace over our food in public, when we try to hide our Bible, we need some When the only place you got a song is when you're in a choir robe in the choir, we need some power. With this deadly calm that has settled upon the church, we need some power. I got to, I got to say, I got to say, I got to say to my dear Catholic brothers and sisters, with all due respect, I must share with you what I'm talking about. You did not get at catechism as you were told. I, I got to talk to my Baptist brethren, and I still am one. For 17 years, they told me I got this when I got born again, but... I have to tell you today, no, 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 no. You didn't get what I'm talking about when you got born again. I, I understand that the Bible says without him, we are none of his. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. What I, what I'm not talking about the Spirit's work in regeneration. I, I'm talking about and when they were all together in one accord and in one place, there came a sound from heaven. Jesus was talking to disciples when he said, go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from another world. Can you shout yes? This thing did not come from Pentecostal headquarters. It, it doesn't come from human instrument. What I'm talking about, Joel talked about that Pentecostal prophet. He said, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Joel said in that hour upon my handmaidens, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh I'll pour out my spirit Isaiah said he knew we would speak with other tongues Peter said angels desired to stoop down and look at this thing Zechariah said it's going to fall like rain Hosea said it's going to take the breaking up and making the ground fallow are you in this building with me Amos said it's going to take some preparation <laughs> but Zechariah said suddenly he shall come to his temple and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all together in one accord in one place and there appeared a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the place where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire like as a fire like as a fire and it sat upon each one of them slap somebody a high five and say you got to get the fire And they were all filled. I said they were all filled. It's a shame a Baptist boy had to preach Pentecost like this. I said they were all filled <laughs> to overflowing. I said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance one translation said as the holy spirit enabled them to express their original selves my god you are a spirit i heard a methodist man on tv the other day telling a congregation sound like he'd been listening to me preach he said listen we've had this thing wrong we are not a body i found out we're a spirit and his eyes got big let me tell you not only are you a spirit you're about to get baptized in the holy spirit and they were all and they were all, and they were all, Ephesians 5, 8 says, be not drunk with wine. 
wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you, you remember those old Western movies, somebody gets shot in the arm and they're going to take out their Bowie knife and cut that lead out of them. They light that knife, they put it in the fire, but they say, here, drink this. Going to get them good and inebriated, intoxicated, drunk, because they're about to feel some pain. God said, in this world, you will have tribulation and persecution, but be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. God said, look, he anoints my head with oil. You know why they did that? Because the sheep was going out and they were going to cut their heads on the rocks while they fed. And that oil would be in that wool and run down into a wound. And that shepherd said, I'll put the oil there before there's a wound. You know what God said? In this world, you have tribulation and persecution. But don't worry about it. I'll give you something to get you good and drunk and you won't feel a thing. You're going to pass through the fire and it will not kindle upon you. You're going to pass through the flood and it shall not overflow you. A thousand shall fall at your left hand, 10,000 at your right, but it shall not come nigh with you. Slap somebody a high five and say, get filled. That's not a suggestion. My dear denominational brethren, that is not a suggestion. That is a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the command of God and the peculiar opportunity of every believer. Be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Bezalel was filled with the Holy Ghost. He needed it to build the temple. <laughs> Zechariah said John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. The New Testament said, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them that he was needed for resurrection preaching. And in order to do it, he had to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul said, I'm going to witness snake bite, shipwreck, going to be stoned and left for dead. But your Bible said that he didn't mind because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they called a prayer meeting in the book of Acts. And it was so characterized. And the place was shaken where they were sitting because when they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Slap somebody a high five and tell them you got to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, be seated. Do you have five more minutes? Mm. Mm. They put him in that borrowed tomb. The disciples who had watched him for three and a half years manifest a mastery over demons and depravity and disease had watched their dreams be eclipsed by his cross. They 
watched him suffer. They watched him bleed. They watched him die. They watched him be put in those grave clothes and the tomb sealed and their hopes were crushed and their dreams were shattered. But the darkness only lasted three days. On the third day, the stone got rolled away and an angel said, Mary, go and tell the Son of God's risen. Hallelujah, Jesus is alive and well. And then the greatest understatement in your Bible is recorded. It's this. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Now, if there was a place where your Bible would have ever, ever exaggerated, it would have been right there. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Honey, there was motion, emotion, and commotion. But they were still confused. Here's what they said. Lord, now, surely, you'll break the back of this Roman insurrection and you'll stop the hand of those Jewish rulers. And surely, now, you'll set up your kingdom. Now, you'll restore the kingdom to Israel. And his answer to their question was this, go. Go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. It was power he promised and it was power they needed. And so 120 of them waited in that little upper room. It was just a 10-day prayer meeting, 50 days after Easter, on the day of Pentecost. It was the Feast of Weeks. It was the Feast of Harvest. God said for time immemorial, if you're going to have a harvest, you're going to have to have an infilling of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, when God said to us, that our purpose was to bring the lamb that was slain the reward of his suffering. He followed that up and said, if you're going to do it, you're going to have to be endued with power. You're going to have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then your Bible said, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. It didn't take long. It was the second Sunday, 10 days, after they closed themselves off in that room and began to pray. You know when they had 3,000 saved? When Peter prayed for 10 days and preached for 10 minutes. Now we pray for 10 minutes and preach for 10 days. No wonder we have so many failures. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it slipped into that room. But suddenly a wind began to blow. It blew across those fevered brows and lifted those weighted hearts and hanging hands. And suddenly they felt him again. They knew him well. They had slept where he slept and ate where he ate. They had been in the boat with him and even in the garden. Though they couldn't pray, they were there. And they knew his presence and they knew it well. And your Bible said suddenly. I'm looking for some suddenly. I'm looking for some services that are not insulated against the spontaneous. I'm trying to find a group of people that are not holding the fort and not just holding on. I'm trying to find some of those offensive believers. There came the Holy Ghost and the Bible said they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues. Do you know that they burst out of that little upper room and they never did go back? 
Here's what I mean to tell you today. Some folks still trying to hang out in the upper room. Some folks still trying to hang out at the cross. Some folks trying to hang out in an empty tomb. Other folks trying to hang out in that upper room. Can I tell you they're all just a means to an end. Can I tell you when the Holy Ghost came, he that was with them got in them. And that room could no longer hold them. I'm looking for the day when religion can't hold us. I'm looking for the time when can't nobody shut your shout down. I'm looking for a move of God that bursts us beyond these eight walls and causes us to invade enemy held territory like the special infantry forces we are. I'm looking for somebody ready to go on search and rescue. A sound, a sound, a sound, a sound. You know the number one complaint about Pentecost? It's too loud. Yeah, I'm not talking about that little shimmy, shimmy tongue of yours, that little... I'll fill my cup, Lord. I'm not, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that half asleep. Funeral home. Deadly calm that settled in. Well, does it have to be so loud? I don't know. Ask God. Did you ever hear a rushing, mighty wind be quiet? You hear a tornado before it ever shows up. Huh? A rut doesn't have to be so loud. People that ask that just have never had it. No, you didn't hear what I said. People that, people, 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 people that say that just have never had it. Because if they'd had it, they'd understand. It's all over me and keeping me alive. If, if they ever had it, they know. Ain't nobody knows like I know what the Lord has done for me. Can't nobody tell it like I can tell it. How the Lord has set me free. They don't know when I think of his goodness and all that is done for me. I could dance, dance, shout, shout, leap, leap, clap, clap all night long. They don't know you should have been there when I prayed through. If they want to be quiet, they don't understand you should have been there when I prayed. If they want us to be quiet, they don't understand. You should have been there when I prayed through. You should have been there when I came through. Church was on fire and the Holy Ghost too. From the top of my head to the sole of my feet. Tell the spirit moving all over me.
Bible said this he spake concerning the Holy Ghost which they were to receive out of his belly shall flow rivers rivers didn't say a trickle rivers of living water I'm not done I'm not done Now God, now God has, God has always distinguished himself by a wind. A rushing, mighty wind. When the children of Israel came out of Egyptian bondage, found themselves facing the great vast Red Sea, on one side, Pihahiroth and its mountain ranges. On the other side, Migdal and its mountain ranges. Behind them, Baelzephon. And approaching from the rear guard, the advancing Egyptian army. They were hemmed in with nowhere to go. And your Bible said just about that time, God sent a strong east wind. And the waters began to part and the breath of God held them at bay while the children of Israel walked down into the bottom and back up the other side. And when God let his wind go, the Egyptians were swallowed up in the aftermath of the overflowing Red Sea. I just got the feeling today that there are some of you that have been hemmed in, held back bound up don't worry just put your finger out there's a wind just about to I dare you to shout send a wind send a strong east wind blow MasterCard back blow this sickness back blow this trial back open up a way where there is no way let a Holy Ghost wind blow Shout send a wind. Yeah, every time I, I every time I read that mighty rushing wind, I think of, I think I think of the space shuttle sitting there on a launching pad. We we become cognizant of several things. Number one, there has to be a countdown. Timing has to get right. And then there's ignition. Somebody's got to strike a match. And then When that ignition hits that fuel cell, there's an explosion. And then you can't get too close to that thing. There's a rushing, mighty wind. And then lift off. And suddenly, you're out in space where gravity can't even hold you, where nothing can stop you. What a picture of the church. When that wind begins to blow, it'll knock all the props out from under you. I'm on the fridge. You see all those things? All that scaffolding around that thing. The law. It's like rules. You have to pay your tithe. You have to love your wife. You 
have to go to church. You know what? When the wind starts to blow, ain't nobody has to make you love your wife. See, 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 see. See, that this, this is my blood brother over here on the organ. I can't hardly preach without him. Had to do it twice this week. I sure did miss him. See, 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 but he just, he got that nice dark skin. I got to pay a tanning bed to try to get a little bit of color. But see, we're, we're blood brothers. I, I don't love him because I went to the racial reconciliation seminar and somebody told me I had to. I love him because I can't help it something on the inside of me you see i don't love my wife because somebody told me i had to i i don't pay my tithe because somebody told me i had to no 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 everything that propped us up the, all those religious trappings that that's all blown away by the rushing now i live in the spirit now i move in the shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. It did that for them. Genesis 2, 7 said, and he breathed upon man. It was a replay in Acts chapter 2. He blew his breath upon us again and suddenly a divine go entered their souls. They didn't have to be taught to witness. They couldn't help it. They didn't have to call a prayer meeting. They didn't even have to organize a church service. Church was wherever they were. Everything they'd been depending on for centuries was blown away. The Talmudic rituals, the Jewish rituals, all blown away. No synagogue for them. It couldn't hold them. No catechism for them. The Spirit guided them into all truth. I'm going to have to preach on this sometime. Suddenly, they came of age. They became bold and sure. His crucifixion and resurrection, ascension, and subsequent sending of the Holy Ghost empowered them to initiate a brand new society. Church was wherever they were. Do you know why they had to start having church in homes? Not because everybody liked small groups. That's not why. They had to have church in homes because they lived in the home. And wherever they were, church was. You, you, don't, you don't even understand. They, 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 they couldn't build a church. It couldn't hold them. They did not settle down to build the first church of Jerusalem. They did inside a hundred years what Israel had been unable to accomplish in the entire Old Testament. Why? A divine go entered their soul. Now you talk to me about talking in tongues and you tell me that you're baptized in the Holy Ghost and you don't have church wherever you go and your home is not a soul-saving station and you have to come to church? We don't have what they had. We got something else. We got some watered-down version. God, let your church come of age. Let a boldness enter our souls. Let a divine go propel us. As though we were compelled by an inward desire to serve an infallible leader with irresistible power. 
based on absolute truth. I don't want to hang out with church goers. We're encumbered about with religion. We need it to be swept away, all this religious performance. We need a new paradigm. We need a new model. Show us your church. Show us, uh, show us that one that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Show us that offensive, mighty, moving, living, breathing organism called your body and let us be a part of it. Shout if you believe one thing I've said is true. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.